Would you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's word. James chapter 2 and verse 10. We have been working through the book of James. It's been very powerful. Ministers, I love preaching expository messages through the Bible. There's some topics I'm very comfortable to preach and to minister on. And there's others that I flat out just, I don't get excited to preach about. But what I like about expository preaching is if the Bible says it, I'm going to say it. And so um, this is one of those days, actually, but I think this is going to be good and this is going to bless us. James chapter 2 and verse 10. Are you there? This is what it says. For whoever shall keep the law, the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor or a breaker of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Wow. Let's pray. and Let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning through his word. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is light, it's life, it's instruction, it's correction where we need it. And Lord, I just ask that you would allow your word to accomplish all that you desire it to today. Lord, I pray even now for an anointing by your Holy Spirit. Church, come on, let's lift our voice. Let's begin to pray for a mighty anointing to come and to rest in this place, to, to fill us and to, you, uh, to speak to us. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Eyes that see, a heart and a mind that perceives what your spirit is speaking today. Jesus, your word says you are anointed to preach good news to the poor. And God, I pray for every hungry heart in this place, there would be an anointing to minister your true and living word to every hungry and open heart today. I rebuke the enemy. He would seek to distract, to divide, to distort, or uproot your word as it comes forward. I pray, Jesus, give us liberty by your spirit and receiving your word today. May it accomplish all that you desire in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. I know at face value reading this text, uh, it's, it's got some confusing language and, uh, and we're going to break it down a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll just kind of give you the overview of this. This text contains some bad news but it also contains a lot of good news. Have you ever had someone come to you and say, uh, listen, I got, I got bad news, but I, I got good news too, right? Uh, um, I, I had a moment like this this last week where uh, I had an issue with my car, and that's bad news. The good news is it's only a $50 part. It's going to be easy to fix, so that's the good news. You, anybody know you've had these moments? I got bad news. You ever have anybody come to you like that? I've got bad news. In fact, I'm going to give you a heads up. This is a joke. So, There was an elder in the church who came to his pastor and said, Pastor, I have good news. The church has exploded in its attendance in the last three weeks. Well, that's great, the pastor replied. But then he said, I, I have bad news too, though, pastor. Well, what's that? He said, well, it was the three weeks you were on vacation. 
Or how about this? Uh, if you didn't like that one, maybe give you a couple ones. So, um, wife comes to her husband and says, honey, I have good news and I have bad news. What would you like to hear first? And the husband thinks a moment. He says, well, give me the good news. She says, well, the good news is the airbags in your car work really well. You can imagine what the bad news was, but, you know, I think it's important. Today we're going to look at, in fact, if you're taking notes, the, the title of my message today is I have good news and I have bad news. Now, I believe in the sandwich method. Do you know what the sandwich method is when you're bringing correction? You, you come in, you say something good, you hit them with the bad but then you end with something good and encouraging. So that's what we're going to do today. I started with a joke. That's good. I'm going to hit you with some bad news. But then I'm going to give you some good news. And it's really, really good news. So uh, buckle in. Are, are you ready for the Are you ready for the bad news? Are you ready for what the Bible has to say? Uh, listen, man, if the Bible's got an area where I need correction, this, this time of fasting and prayer has been very different for me. I never recall, I mean, I have times where I get into fasting and prayer, and man, it's just like open heavens. I'm experiencing God. Oh, it's awesome. I'm just like weeping and crying and worship. Um, this has been a time of fasting where I feel like God has been dealing with me in a lot of areas. I mean, weird stuff. I was listening to a testimony, for example, where an individual is talking about their relationship with God and how they hear from God. And even at times, they'll hear audibly from the Lord. And all of a sudden, I had a flashback to about 15 years ago where a young man that I was discipling, he'd had a powerful encounter with God. And he came to me and said, he said, Jake, I'm, I'm hearing God audibly. When I was in this service, I heard him telling me different things. And, and, and a moment ago, I heard the Lord say this and this. And he asks me, is this how it's going to be from now on? Can I hear God like this all the time? Now I was like year one or two in ministry, and I'd started to come to know my Bible. And man, I'm a theologian. I know some stuff, right? I'm telling you, the most knowledgeable people you'll ever meet are Bible school students and people like one or two years into their, into their walk with the Lord. Today I realize, I don't know nothing. I'm still just, I'm like, Lord, give me something. But at that time, I thought I knew some stuff. And so I tell this young man, I said, you know what, man, that's, that's really not very realistic. You're going to go through seasons where the heavens are brass. You're going to have times where, no, you're not going to hear, you know, these moments are incredible. But I don't know that it's sustainable. And I felt the Lord just this last week rebuke me and said, that was childlike faith that that man of God had. And you crushed it. And I had to go back. And I've had these moments. I, it's not that I've had to repent of sin, but it's like I've had these things that come to me. And it's like I could be a better witness than I have been. I could believe God for for greater blessing in the realm of my finances than I have been. I can prior, there's, there's just moments where, where the Lord begins to deal, and this is where it's helpful, friend, because if, if we never see it, we never know what we need to fix. If we don't see it, then we never know, Jesus, I need you to come and I need you to intervene. And, and praise God, we need to stay in that process for the rest of our lives. 
You might be coming to Jesus and you're just a couple weeks into this thing and you feel like God's putting his finger on every area of your life. Listen, friend, I'm still in that process and I've been going after God for about 20 years. I bet if you go talk to Brother Herb or Minister Adele or some of these senior saints amongst us, uh, you go talk to them who are still loving Jesus, they'll probably tell you, God's still working on me too. God's still doing stuff in me too. We need to stay in that process. That's why, oh, Holy Spirit, speak to us today. You'll notice all throughout the Bible, I, I was reading the book of Romans earlier. Just hang here in, in James. We're going we're gonna to get in. This is our launch pad. But I noticed something very interesting in the book of Romans. You ever read the book, you'll notice uh, it essentially... The first four chapters go something like this. Paul greets them. It's a wonderful greeting. Hey, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle anointed by God. I'm excited. I want to come see you guys. I want to come visit you guys. And I can't wait till I get there. Y'all are a bunch of sinners and God's judgment is coming. That's a sense. Read the book of Romans for real. That's how it goes. This is introduction. And then he talks about how the wrath of God is being revealed against all sin. And you've all sinned. It's freaky, man. I mean, I just, I read that and I'm like, geez. I mean, if you just read the first four chapters of Romans, you're thinking, man, this is bad news and more bad news and more bad news and we are all guilty and fallen. But then by chapter four, it begins to make a transition into now that you understand the bad news, here's the good news. You see, a lot of times you'll hear preaching today where it's all good news and you're a winner and God is gracious and he's merciful but it, it begs the question like what am I being saved from if we never hear the bad news and in our current state where we are without Jesus friend you'll never really appreciate how incredibly glorious the good news of the gospel is and so we're going to talk about it the Bible says in James chapter 2 verse 10 Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point. Everybody say one point. He is guilty of all. That's bad news. How many of you have ever at any time in your life sinned? <laughs> if you're not raising your hand, you just sinned. You lied. We have all sinned. Now listen, the Bible goes on. He begins to talk about, you, they say don't commit adultery, don't murder. Guess what? If you've committed adultery but you've not murdered, or you've murdered but not committed adultery, guess what? You're still guilty. You remember last week he was talking about the sin of favoritism, partiality. If you look at a wealthy person and give them preference over a, a person in poverty, the Bible calls that prejudice. It calls it evil. If we make judgments based on the color of someone's skin, based on whether they're male or female, based on the type of job that we have, if we are prejudiced, the Bible calls that sin. And listen, it doesn't matter if the sin is adultery or prejudice or murder or if you drive 40 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour speed zone. We have all sinned. And that's bad news. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The Bible says that everyone who breaks the law of God, write this down, everyone that breaks the law of God is under a curse. 
and prone to eternal judgment. I know it's a long statement, but I want you to write that down. Everyone who breaks the law of God is under a curse and is prone to eternal judgment. Friend, we see a lot of brokenness in the world. And I believe a lot of it is because we live in a fallen world and most lives that we witness around us are not yet surrendered to Jesus and according to Scripture, they remain under a curse. Eternal judgment should scare you. This is bad news, friend. Hell is real. There was... One of my favorite preachers, I still listen to him quite often, a man of God by the name of David Wilkerson. He's a founder of Times Square Church, started Teen Challenge, who ministers to those coming out of addiction, still the leading uh, drug and rehabilitation center on the planet. David Wilkerson. And I remember hearing a message from that man of God on one occasion called The Worm that never dies. Jesus, on two occasions, was sharing about what hell is like, and one of the statements he made was, the worm never dies. David Wilkerson began to talk about how in the Old Testament, that phrase was literally this idea, the worm talking about your conscious memory, this, this continual torment that goes on. And, and I remember hearing this message, it shook me to the core. Because he would talk about these moments how in hell you've missed the grace of God. You have lived in rebellion and you end up in hell. And he'd talk about these moments where you would actually relive opportunities to be born again. Where you would literally come out of hell and you would be sitting in a church service just like this. Unrepentant heart. And you're hearing the pastor preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gives an opportunity for you to surrender your life. And in the moment where you could stand up and walk down to the altar and surrender your life, it goes black. And you're in hell. Because there's no redemption. There's no forgiveness at that point in time. Remember hearing that in Boy, it shook me to my core. I was born again at the time, but it still made me think, Jesus, I, I always want to be right with you. I never, I never want to stray from my relationship with you. I never want to fall out of your grace. But Wilkerson, he shares that a young man, he was preaching a message like that, and a young man comes up to him and says, Preacher, you're just trying to scare me. And I love what Wilkerson said. He said, You're dead right. You ought to be scared to death of hell. Listen to guys like Wilkerson. I'll try and preach like Wilkerson. This is one of those messages. Friend, I'm trying to scare the hell out of you. I'm trying to put a fire under you now. Let's live for Jesus. Let's surrender. I mean, there's, there's bad news for those who have not yet surrendered their life to the Lord. The bad news is you're under a curse and maybe you don't even know it. And what we have, the book of Hebrews says, is a fearful expectation of judgment. That's bad news. That's scary news, isn't it? You say, Pastor, why do you say curse? That's a strong word. Everybody say curse. Curse isn't just like saying a cuss word. Curse is like, curse is a presiding. It is a present judgment that rests upon people. And the reason I use that word is Galatians chapter 3 says, 
Very similar to James chapter 2. It says there are many works of the law, but those uh, who are, uh, the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. If you do not do all things, everyone say all things that are written in the book of the law, then you are under a curse. That's scary. You've probably heard the verse out of Deuteronomy 28, which is what Hebrews is qu- or Galatians rather is quoting. You've heard, how many of you have heard this? You're going to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Uh, the blessings of God will run you down and overtake you. Your body will be blessed. The ground will be blessed. Your work will be blessed. Your basket will be blessed. Your coming in and your going out will be blessed. If your enemies rise up, God's going to bless you. He will scatter your enemies. He's going to bless your soul. How many of you have heard about, about these blessings? That's all in Deuteronomy 28. There's one requirement, only one. You need to fulfill all the law. How many of you have sinned? Yeah, yeah. That same passage continues on. If you break the law, then you are under a curse. You are cursed in the city, cursed in the field, cursed in your body. The ground, your work, your basket, your flocks, you're going out, you're coming in. Cursed, 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 cursed. You talk, I mean, I was reading it again this morning, and this is a rotten deal, man. Talks about you're going to get engaged to a girl that you love, and then she's going to go marry somebody else. That's a bad deal. Friend, you do not want to be cursed. You do not want to live under a curse. You certainly don't want the fearful expectation of judgment all before you for all eternity. Are you ready for some good news? You say, help me, pastor. I'm about to, I'm about to die right now. No, you're, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Here's the good news. I have good news. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. That passage in Galatians says, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things written. We can't do that. And that's why it says, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God, but the just shall live by faith. Everybody say faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ, verse 13, has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Somebody better say, thank you, Jesus. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to hear me good on this. Because I don't want you walking out of here you get a flat tire, I'm under a curse just like Pastor Jacob said. No, no, that's not my message today. If your life has been surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are no longer under a curse. He has carried the curse. He became a curse when he died upon that cross. The only question is, have you surrendered your life to him? Have you surrendered your life? You, friend, oh my goodness, the blessings that God desires to bestow upon His sons and daughters is indescribable. But you got to surrender your life. You have 
to give him your life. And the Bible says the moment that you do, you are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light. The Bible says that you are no longer a sinner, but you have instantly become a saint of the most high God. That you are no longer stained by sin, but you have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has now come. Have you received that new life? Oh my goodness. If you haven't, today's your day, friend. You might feel like you got a curse resting upon your life. You may feel like, oh, I have that fearful expectation of judgment. But friend, before the day is done, you can walk with the knowledge that old life is done and a new life has begun. I am blessed. I am anointed. I am called. I am cleansed. I am no longer a sinner, but I am. I carry the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer headed for hell, but I'm headed for eternity in heaven with him. Oh, friend, this is what I live for. That's good news. That's good. Tell your neighbor, that's good news. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2.24, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Now watch this. By whose stripes you were healed. Just keep that verse there for a moment. You were healed. It's already been paid for. So that means, listen, my wife was reading to me Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It's just where she is in her daily Bible reading. And she's like, she's asking me all kinds of fun questions. What are the horns of the altar? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's where they'd sprinkle the blood. It's a, it a whole sacrifice. And she asked me last night, like, why did Moses, uh, he, he'd take the blood and he put it on Aaron's ear and his thumb and his toe. Like, what is that about? You know, it's the works of the law. And I sure am thankful. I'm thankful when Dr. Morocco bestowed upon me the title of pastor, he did not smear me with blood. I am thankful. I'm thankful when I pray for guys like Zaldi. Now, okay, go get the animal. Let's go slaughter him. I'm going to put your ear in blood. You know, I just, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do Jesus, once for all. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. By his stripes, we were. Not I'm trying to be healed. I'm hoping one day. No, friend, it's already been paid for. We receive. We receive. What was happening to people receiving miracles this morning? What's going to happen later on tonight? They're receiving the accomplished work of Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Some people, some people, man, they, they struggle through this life and they talk about one day when I get to glory, then all my pain is going to be gone. One day my, my financial burdens will be lifted and I'll have a mansion in a heaven. And like, I believe that. I believe that. But friend, there are blessings today. There's healing today. I, I'm not just waiting for heaven. I, I know I'm going to get a glorified body. I'm going to have a beautiful arches in my feet. Praise God. Like, I, I know, but I pray for arches in my feet today. Yeah, I have flat feet if you're not understanding what I'm talking about. Today, blessed in the city. What city? That's not talking about the New Jerusalem, friend. 
That's talking about this city. You're going to be blessed in your city. You're going to be blessed in your field. Your savings account is going to be blessed. Your body is going to be You don't have to wait to begin to receive the blessings of God. If you've come from the kingdom of darkness and you are now in the kingdom of light, there are blessings and there are benefits that come with that kingdom. That's good news. That's good news. Oh, man. It gets even better. I had, I had bad news, and I'm going to give you two good news points, okay? Here, here's the second good news. This is my last point. We have received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. We have received the blessing. If you're right, taking notes, write that down. We have received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. That text in Galatians continues. It says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. He became a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing of Abraham. That's way back in Genesis 22. The Lord spoke to Abraham. Your descendants are going to be as many as a sand in the sea, as many as the star in the sky. And through you, all nations will be blessed. Everybody say blessed. He's talking about something specific there. Abraham didn't know what it was going to be. Some of the prophets throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, they would get a glimpse of what God is going to do. Joel saw there's going to be a day where I pour out my spirit on all flesh. I can imagine what Joel the prophet was thinking. What's that going to be like? You understand in the Old Testament, there'd be moments where, you know, Samson, the spirit of the God would come upon him. The spirit of God would come upon him and he would be anointed to, to do supernatural things physically. Elijah would have the Spirit of God come upon him. He'd prophesy to a cloud. He'd outrun a horse. Uh, David would have the anointing come upon him, the Spirit of God come upon him. He'd slay a lion, a bear, a giant. And there were these moments where the Spirit of God would come, but it never remained. And that's where John the Baptist says, I knew there was something different about Jesus because upon him I saw the Holy Spirit descend and remain. And then he said, oh, told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. I go to my father, but I'm going to send you another helper, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, he will be the spirit that comes and remains. Friend, it's not just a visitation in a church service. It's not just one moment where we're singing the right song. No, he remains with us. I love hearing about healing testimonies, radical encounters with God. But even yesterday, we had many life groups that started. I saw we had young adults and, and, uh, and couples groups, and uh, I met with a handful of men yesterday morning. We were meeting the first third Saturdays of the month. Every man's invited. One of the things, one of the things, uh, we, we heard a testimony from a, from one of the men there, and he was talking about how he was a little boy. He got lost in the woods. He walked out into this neighborhood he didn't recognize. I've had this happen. I don't know if you've ever had this, that panic, that fear. I mean, it's about the scariest thing as a little kid you can experience. 
But he said in a moment, he felt like he was being, he didn't know if it was an angel. He doesn't know if it was the spirit of God, but it was like the woods opened in front of him. And all of a sudden he was there by his house. And it's just, you know, like, what's that? Like, do you guys ever think? Like, this stuff blows my mind. Like, like I read about revivals, and it's like, wow, look at how hungry they were. Look at the tragedy that nation was in. Look at what was going on at that time. Of course, Holy Spirit, you met them. But then I hear, like, a little boy lost in the woods. Holy Spirit's with him? He's with us. He remains with us. You guys, oh, there's going to be a day we're going to get to heaven. You're going you're gonna to see Father Abraham. Abraham. Those three guys who came and visited you, I always heard that. It's like God and two angels. Tell me about that. What was, tell me all about that. What, what did it look like when Jesus came and told you, look at the stars, count them. Tell me about that. You're going to ask Samson. I hope Samson made it in heaven. I don't know. The guy, uh, anyway, that's a different message. But uh, let's assume Samson made it into heaven. Uh, you, you're going to see Samson be like, Samson. Samson, what was it like when the power of God came upon you like that? And, and you're gonna, he's gonna, you're gonna ask him, like, what was it like to push over those pillars? Like, David, did you feel even an ounce of fear when you were looking at that giant? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like, like I daydream about this kind of stuff. I know, I'm weird, I know. But like, I was just thinking about it yesterday. Like, man, I just like. I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I talk to the Lord all the time. But I can't wait till I get to heaven. And I can touch Jesus. And just hug on him. Smell him. Talk to him face to face. I just imagine you talking to these guys and Asking all of our heroes of the faith about all that God has done. And then someone taps you on the shoulder. And you turn around and it's the prophet Joel. And Joel asks you a question. The Lord spoke to me about a day. The Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. What was it like? What was it like to have the Holy Spirit every time you gather? What was it like to lay hands on all who are sick and see them recover? What was it like to have that fellowship with the Spirit at all times? Friend, I think about that stuff. I don't want to be embarrassed when people like Joel or Isaiah ask me. I want to say, oh, we built buildings, and we had church every night of the week in every language group you can imagine. We laid hands on sick people every single Sunday, and we had miracle nights, and we did it on the streets, and we did it overseas. We did everything we could for Jesus with the time that we had. Guys. We have an opportunity. This is good news. This is good news. We were under a curse.
But the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, he has taken the curse and he has left us with a life where we are blessed and redeemed. And he's given us his spirit. Oh, oh my goodness. That's good news. That's good news. Worship team, would you come? We're going we're gonna to end. I have one more verse in James, very important for us to understand. Verse 13, James, I've talked about the other verses, but look at verse 13. It says, judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. You know the difference between grace and mercy? Grace, they say, is unmerited favor. But put simply, it means when God is blessing you, it's something that you don't deserve. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. God gave you his blessing, his forgiveness anyway. That's grace. Mercy is different. Mercy is you deserve judgment. You deserve eternal death. But instead, he has withheld judgment and given you mercy. Mercy is withheld judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is greater than judgment. As scared as hell ought to make you, and you should be, as powerful and dominating as sin may seem at times, I want to tell you, mercy triumphs. Mercy is greater. The mercy of God is more powerful. But there is a key. He says if you withhold mercy, God will withhold mercy from you. Jesus says if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will the Father forgive you your sins. My encouragement is simple. In a moment we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to forgive us. Maybe you're here and you have an expectation of judgment. Maybe you're here and you feel that your life is under a curse. Before you leave here today, you can know that you're in a new life. Can we just stand all across this room right now? Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. With every head bowed and everyone praying right now, I have a simple question for every person within the sound of my voice. You're here, you're in the overflow, you're watching online. Do you know for sure that your sins have been forgiven? and that you have the hope of heaven. When I talk about cursing, when I talk about judgment, is there something inside of you that says you need to get right with God? In a moment, I'm going to pray. And if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, this is your moment. This is your moment. With every head bowed and everyone praying, if you say, Pastor, I want to know before I leave here today that I'm right with God. 
I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that I'm no longer under a curse, but I can receive the blessings of God. I want to know that I'm not under judgment any longer, but I have heaven and eternity, paradise, hope, glory with God. I want to know that that's my future. If that's you, you say, Pastor, include me in your prayer. I need forgiveness. I want you to lift your hand all across this room. Hallelujah, if that be you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many, so many. Yeah, I see you there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see you back there. Come on, if you're in the overflow, I know we've got prayer teams there. You you respond right there too. We're going to pray for you. Are there others? You say, Pastor, yes. I need forgiveness. Hallelujah. In a moment, we're going to pray. And I believe in that moment, the Spirit of the living God is going to come. In your life, your soul that has been blemished by sin, you're about to be cleansed. You're about to be washed and forgiven. That weight and that burden of the curse is about to be lifted off of you. It's going to transform your life. I want us all, all across this room, can we lift our hands as a sign of surrender right now? And I want you to pray this with me. Pray right out loud. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me. Wash my sin away. Take off of me every curse, every judgment. Thank you for carrying my sin. Thank you for becoming a curse so that I'm not cursed. I receive now the washing by your blood, the forgiving of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. I surrender all that I am to you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. From this moment on, I am yours all the way. All that I am belongs to you. Use me, Lord, for your glory and for your namesake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God like he's done it. I did this in the first service, and I I feel that we ought to do this. I'm going to pray very quickly on this point. But when I read that text, blessed in the field, blessed in the city, blessed in your body, blessed in your work, blessed every area of your life, sometimes... This is very important. Some people don't understand. You can be redeemed. But the way Dr. Morocco presents it, I believe it's in his book, Defiled, talks about how Satan is a squatter. You know what a squatter is? A squatter is somebody who comes and they they set up their tent and they set up their bed on your property. I own this, but somebody's squatting on my property. They're trying to live on something that's 
mine. He talks about in the Philippines how there's actually rights. If if a squatter squats on a piece of land for long enough, then they actually have rights. You can't even kick them off. Satan operates the very same way. He will come and camp out illegally in your emotions, in your sexuality, a voice whispering in your mind. He'll come and camp out at times in our life. He may be camping out on a physical thing that's just tormenting your body. And you say, no, I've been redeemed. That's illegal. And all you have to do is call him out on it. Satan, the way my body feels, this is illegal for you to be on me right now. Get off. This heaviness, this depression, this anxiety, that is not what Jesus has done in my life. Get out. Get out. If your finances are being consumed and devoured, you say, no, that doesn't line up with the blessing that God is pouring out in my life. Devour, get out of here. We're going to call out that squatter. He's done. If you're here, and I'm not saying you're demon-possessed, I'm not saying that you're not blessed or you're under a curse, but if you feel like the devil, man, he's been squatting on my heart. The devil is squatting on my finances. The devil is squatting on my, my physical body, and I'm done. I'm done. If that's you, I want you to step down to this altar right now. We're going to pray for liberty. We're going to pray for freedom. We're going to pray for the blessings of God to run you down and overtake you. Yeah, come on. Come on. I know there's a lot. I need you. Come on. Come on. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. The devil's a squatter, and his time is done. His time is done. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. Just come up close. I'm going to move right down the line. I believe there's blessing. Jesus laid his hands on children. He laid his hands on his disciples, and he blessed them. It's part of how God releases his blessing is through the hands of his people. I'm going to lay my hands and declare a blessing over each of you. And the curse of God, the curse of the enemy, rather, I'm sorry, lifted. The devil cannot squat on your life any longer. 